Hi friends, welcome back to my podcast. Today I would like to continue the conversation about the colonization of the American continent by Europeans and the English in particular. We are going to discuss the reason behind the Puritans' decision to leave Europe and how they built the Plymouth Colony. In the previous episode, we saw how difficult it was to set up the first colony in Jamestown. Among the many hardships encountered, most of the original settlers actually actually died after three years drought starvation dysentery and attacks from local native from local tribes proved to be more difficult to overcome than english colonizers originally thought however through all the adversity people at last were rewarded with a crop that changed everybody's lives settlers were able to build a booming economy by growing tobacco even though economic gain was the number one reason for colonizing the new world there were some people in England that were looking to escape, escape the religious persecution and to practice their religion freely. But were those people really, pro- but were those people really persecuted? Were they really seeking religious freedom for all? To understand this subject better, let us go back in history. You see, Europe in general and England in particular traditionally practiced the Catholic religion. There was no separation of power between the monarchy and the church. In the early 16th century, the, the Catholic Church grew more and more corrupt and greedy. Priests drank alcohol, gambled, lived with concubines, and exempted themselves from paying taxes, among other things. The Pope and priests needed money for their lavish lifestyles and personal projects, such as rebuilding St. Peter's Basilica in the Vatican, for example. Thus, they came up with a plan. The church started to sell indulgences. An indulgence was a grant by the Pope that forgave people's sins. Since the majority of Europe's population had very little education, most were illiterate, people were easily convinced that for their sins to be forgiven by God, they needed to buy indulgences. At first, it was a simple forgiveness of earthly sins. However, as the Catholic Church realized the potential of such a scam, priests started to offer a place in heaven for the souls of those who could pay. Tired of this of this mess, in 1517, a German monk and Protestant movement leader, Martin Luther, wrote a, le- a letter to the Archbishop of Mainz, Albrecht, Albrecht of Hohenzollern, sorry if I mispronounce those, and included 95 theses. In it, Luther expressed his disapproval of the system and urged the church to rethink its practices. Along with the letter, Martin Luther printed and nailed these his theses to the doors of the Wittenberg Cathedral in Saxony, Germany. People started to become more aware of the church's doing and the Protestant Reformation got underway. A few years later, in 1527, King Henry VIII of England uh, wished to marry Anne Boleyn and asked Pope Clement VII to grant him a divorce from his first wife, Catherine of Aragorn. Aragon. Catherine of Aragon. She did not produce a male heir and was already in her 40s, which by those time standards was considered too old. For all European dynasties, producing a male heir was of utmost importance. However, during the Middle Ages, the Catholic Church frowned upon the dissolution of marriages, and any person needed a substantial reason for it. After years of fruitless negotiation with the Pope, Henry VIII appointed his, his Protestant clergyman, Thomas Cramer, as new Archbishop. In return, he granted divorce to King Henry VIII. 
But that wasn't enough for King Henry VIII, his clergymen and advisors, and eventually they argued that the monarch is not under the jurisdiction of the Catholic Church. Thus, the English, parla- the English Parliament passed the Act of Supremacy in 1534, separating the power of the Church and monarchy. These events prompted a creation and slow reformation of the English Church. Once he separated himself from the Roman Catholic Church, King Henry VIII established a new church in England and called it the Anglican Church. He also declared himself to be head of the new, of the new church. At that time, a lot of his advisors in his court were Protestant. In 1533, King Henry VIII finally married Anne Boleyn. She was also a Protestant herself. This laid the foundation that turned English Catholic society into Protestants. Once the Protestants gained notoriety in England, they quickly went to work on cleaning up and purifying the Anglican Church. Here I would like to point out that the Puritans came about from two Protestant movements, from the Protestant movement to purify the English Church. Also, Puritans divided themselves into two categories, Separatists and Non-Separatists. Separatists wanted to start completely new a completely new church and separate from the main Anglican church and non-separatists offered to transform the English church from within. They had several things that they wanted to change in the English church. First, in the in England of the 16th century, when a baby was born, he, he or she automatically became a member of the Anglican church. Puritans did not like this idea. Puritans believed that all babies are born sinners and therefore in order to get baptized, people had to earn the right to be a part of the church. Second, Puritans wanted to further separate from the Catholic Church and demand that the English Church would stop accepting bishops and regular people who gambled and drank alcohol. Third, expensive clothes that bishops wore during important ceremonies had to go. It reminded Protestants of corrupt Catholics. Also, Puritans argued that any educated person could carry out and perform the church's functions. There were these were the main requests for the in, for reforms in the Anglican Church by by the Puritans. However, there were other things worth mentioning. For example, Puritans strongly believed that the destiny and the faith of a person is pre is predetermined by God before a person is even born. This is called Calvinism, a theory of predestination, offered by John Calvin. They believed that people could not do anything to become saints if they weren't born like that. They strongly believe that the relationship between God and a person cannot and does not need a middleman. Priests and bishops were not going to get involved and act as an intermediary between the two. Church authorities could not offer much to a person. People had to find and, and please God themselves, not through a third party. Besides dividing themselves into separatists and non-separatists, there were also two types of Puritans. Presbyterian and Congregationalists. See, the Anglican Church modeled its structure after the Catholic Church, and Presbyterians wanted to restructure the hierarchy. They wanted to have less oversight for the main English Church, and instead have the local ministers and parishioners focus and influence the communities. Indeed, Congregationalists also asked for freedom from the oversight by the Anglican Church and national religious authorities when doing business. They wanted to separate church and business. This model was later adopted in the United States. <coughs> Another thing worth mentioning is the Puritans 
well, work ethic. They strongly believe that everyone in the, in the society should work and provide benefits to the community in accordance with each person's talents and skills. Hail, stop. Since it was impossible to know who was predestined, the notion to develop that it might be possible to, ter- to discern that a person was elect or predestined by observing their way of life. Hard work and frugality were thought to be two important consequences of being one of the elect. Protestants were thus attracted to these qualities and supposed to, and supposed to strive for reaching them. You have probably heard expressions such as American Dream or Self-Made. These sayings refer to people who, through dedication, perseverance, hard work, and frugality, can realize their potential and achieve their materialistic goals in life. These expressions can be easily applied to the Puritans. Another thing about Puritans that is worth mentioning is that they believe that they are God's chosen people. In fact, they didn't concern themselves with other religions, but believed that their way is the only right way. Their goal was to build a model Christian society. So the separatists demanded to set up their own independent churches and other places of worship. But King James I didn't like it when he came to power and became new leader of the Anglican Church in 1603. Thus, in 1608, the separatists decided to leave England and made their way to Holland. At that time, Holland was the most religiously tolerant country in Europe. Different cultures and religions lived side by side and got along well. Separatists, who later became pilgrims, found their temporary refuge in the Netherlands. Why was it temporary? Why Puritans? Why did Puritans not want to establish their new life in the Netherlands? Well, besides the fact that there are very few jobs available to people, available to people, there were things Puritans didn't like. For one, since they thought they were God's chosen people, they they only wanted re- religious freedom for themselves and did not recognize others' religions. Another thing, separatists weren't happy with the fact that their children quickly assimilated into the Dutch culture and started to adapt their mentality and lifestyle. It was hard for Puritans' elders to accept. Although they left England, they still wanted to preserve the English culture. Finally, and perhaps the most important reason of all, is that even though Holland and Spain had a 12-year, had signed the 12-year-long Treaty of Antwerp, which was an armistice, Separatists knew that once it was over in 1621, the war will resume and they will be persecuted by the Catholic Inquisitors from Spain. Therefore, members of the English Separatist Church gathered resources and received a charter from the London Stock Company and the Merchant Adventurers of London. Their plan was to sell, was to sail to the New World to from the New to the New World to already establish the Virginia Colony near the Hudson River. And on September 16, 1620, the Mayflowers set sail from Plymouth, England, on their way to modern-day New York. Of course, some of you might add that there was another ship called the Speedwell, but the reason that I didn't add anything about that was because it was forced to return to port three days after launching. During their 66-day voyage to the New World, the Mayflower was caught in several large storms. This threw them off course, and the ship landed in modern-day Provincetown, Massachusetts, on November 11, 1620. 
After realizing that they were the first settlers on this part of the New World, and keeping in mind the experience of the Jamestown settlers, the newly arrived people decided to create a new set of rules. It is important to note that not everyone who arrived on the Mayflower was looking to gain independence from the English church. In fact, there were only 41 pilgrims out of 102 total passengers. The rest were merchants, indentured servants, craftsmen, and orphans. In order to avoid a disaster, most prominent pilgrims, William Bradford along with William Brewster and John Carver, drafted an agreement between the settlers of the New Plymouth. It was signed by 41 men before stepping off the ship on November 11, 1620. We know this 200-word document as the, a May, as the Mayflower Compact. Why was this agreement important? For one, when these adventurers left England, they were sponsored by the English people who were looking to get a repayment on their and a profit on their investment. But since the Mayflower did not land in Virginia, people started arguing that the contract with the London Stock Company was no longer valid. People realized they were no longer under the jurisdiction of any government and therefore refused to abide by English laws. On the other hand, pilgrims knew that in order to survive and make it on the new land, everyone should work together to achieve a common goal. The agreement focused on establishing a few key elements. For one, colonists, even though they didn't land in Virginia, would remain subject to the British Crown and King James in particular. Second, colonists would could create new laws, acts, constitutions, offices, and such, and enact it. It would be done for the betterment of the community, and all citizens would abide by these new regulations. Three, there would only be one society, and colonists would work together to, to improve it. And finally, all, all colonists would live by Christian beliefs. Once the agreement was signed, it was time to elect a new governor, and people chose John Carver on November 21st, 1620. After the signing of the Mayflower Compact, the, the election was held every year to elect a new governor and his office. This tradition lasted up until 1691 when the Massachusetts Bay Colony took over. The Mayflower Compact was the first successful attempt at forming a primitive de democratic self-government in the New World. The New World, for any of you that might talk about Greece or Rome. But then again, preferably just Greece as a democracy. Other new colonists took this document as a base for their settlements and later played an important role in forming a new nation. Now that the agreement was reached and signed, it was time to start their, their new life. The first matter of business was to choose a location for, the, for their camp. You see, the location on the cape where they landed was less than optimal. It was a thin stretch of land surrounded by water, so the men went scouting around the coast for a better location on the mainland. In December of 1620, the new settlers arrived at the mainland and they called it Plymouth, after the location in England from which they departed. The first winter turned out to be difficult for the new settlers. For the new settlers, Long travels, search for a place to settle, and while building their campgrounds, pilgrims lived on the Mayflower for the first several months. More than half of the settlers did not survive the harsh winter conditions in Massachusetts and lack of nutrition. In order to survive and adjust to the new living conditions, 
Pilgrims had to build diplomatic relationships with the local with the local native tribes. The Wampanoag people lived in that area for more than ten thousand years before the English arrived. Massachusetts was their land. Still, they were kind enough to let the new settlers share their land. Soon after their arrival, Pilgrims met a native American man by the name Tisquantum, better known as Squanto. He was captured by English explorers several years later, earlier in 1614 when he was sent to England to be a slave. Luckily, he was able to escape and return to America in 1618. When he returned, he found out that sadly his whole tribe suffered greatly from plague and nobody survived. By that time, Massasoit and by that time, Swatcher became quite proficient in English and was able to become a translator between Chief Massasoit and other Native American leaders and the new settlers. In fact, he happened to he helped to negotiate peaceful relations between them. As a result, the locals accepted the newly arrived pilgrims. They taught them how to grow corn and other crops as well as secrets for hunting local animals and fishing spots. Later that year, in the fall of 1621, after the harvest was picked up, the surviving pilgrims and 90 representatives of the Massasoit tribe got together to celebrate a harvest a harvest home on a new land. It was a five-day festival that included dancing, singing, wrestling, shooting matches, and other fun activities. Separatists and Massasoits gathered and celebrated friendship, survival of the first winter, and life on a new continent. We know this holiday is Thanksgiving today, but it wasn't until 1863 that Abraham Lincoln declared it a national holiday and chose the fourth Thursday in November to celebrate it. <coughs> Although there is no clear indication when the first harvest home was celebrated, the historians agree that it wasn't in November. Most likely it was at the end of September or early October. Squanto stayed with the pilgrims and remained William Williams Bradford, William Bradford's right hand until his death in 1622. The first house that the colonists built burned down shortly that, thereafter on January 14, 1621, and the colonists had to stay on the ship. Since the living conditions were not good, pilgrims lacked fresh water and nutritious food. <clears throat> A general disease started to spread among the people. Modern scientists think that it was pneumonia. Everyone except for eight people got it. From the captain and his crew to strangers got sick. It was a difficult time for colonists. Some proved to have strong character and morals. They took care of the sick. They took care of the sick. Others avoided coming in close contact with the sick, fearing that the disease can be contagious. Many arguments broke out amongst the settlers during this difficult time. Everyone's character and willpower was tested. It was a devastating and starving time for the newcomers. Just as everyone was buckling down for the winter, a new ship called Fortune arrived with 35 new settlers on board. Pilgrims weren't particularly happy about it. For one, the newly arrived people did not bring any supplies with them. Two, pilgrims themselves had grown enough food to barely last through the winter. In order to survive, everyone was given half ration. Also, starting in May 1622, anyone who didn't put up enough hard work into building a colony was sent back to England. At first, everyone worked together on building a colony and strived to achieve a common goal. Communism! But in 1623, they decided to change it and every family started to tend their, to their own land. In a way, this was a primitive start to a capitalist economy. People were motivated to work harder because they saw the fruits of their labor directly.
interesting coincidence that the ship that brought 35 new settlers was named Fortune. Besides having to survive dysentery, shortage of food, cold winters, lack of housing, and other harsh living conditions, the Pilgrims still owed money to the merchant adventurers of London who financed the Pilgrims' voyage to the New World. The sum of money owed was astronomical by those standards, 1,800 English pounds, which is almost 609,000 U.S. dollars today. They also owed another 600 English pounds, which is about 203,000 U.S. dollars to other lenders. Investors started to grow impatient. Since interest rates grew rapidly and pirates raided ships with cargoes that pilgrims sent to England on a consistent basis, Puritans were desperate. So in 1627, they negotiated with undertakers. Not a very good name when it comes to names. To help pay off their debt faster. Undertakers were investors who also came to Plymouth. William Bradford was among them. Anyway, pilgrims started gathering all their money and negotiated with the undertakers to sell bonds and shares to pay off their debt within six years. Pilgrims trusted the undertakers with their money because they were also separatists and wanted to build a new life in the new world. However, undertakers showed interest in bringing the rest of their families from England to America and wanted to use the money that was meant to pay off their debt to sponsor their relatives' trips. <coughs> Not everyone agreed with this, and later in 1627, Governor Bradford granted special privileges and assigned 20 acres of land to every man. All the cattle that was originally owned by the colony was divided equally between all the colonists. By 1632, colonists paid off their debt. As more settlers arrived and families grew, separatists built seven new villages by the 1640s. To survive in a new place, pilgrims adapted an agricultural way of life where they raised cattle, corn, and other crops. People in Plymouth had never brought a unique crop like tobacco in Jamestown. Their economy was based on using local natural resources. Pilgrims cut tree, hunted for the fur of precious animals. My dog is looking funny, is looking at me weird after I said <coughs> hunted for the fur of precious animals. <coughs> they kill anyway, they killed whales and for their oil and beavers for pelts. All of it was sent back to England and traded for profit. However, there are only so many animals that can be killed and so many trees that can be cut cut down before ruining the ecosystem. It was unsustainable form of economy, and in 1691, Plymouth was annexed by the more powerful Massachusetts Bay Colony. We will take a closer look at, at it in one of our other episodes. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Bye.